Hi, this is Mark Rabin from Kinexus. We're excited to announce Vaxinexus. It's a free platform using Kinexus technology that allows people who are doing process improvement work related to COVID vaccinations to share with each other. You can share improvements that you've done in your vaccination process. You can see what others are submitting so that you can adopt and adapt or be inspired. We hope this helps spread continuous improvement as we aim to stop spreading COVID. To apply to get a free account, visit vaccinexus.com. That's V-A-C-C-I-N-E-X-U-S.com. Welcome, everybody, to today's webinar presented by Kinexus, hosted by Kinexus. It's going to be presented, actually, by Scott Bergmeier, who is joining us today for a session entitled Understanding Your Strengths and Blind Spots for Enhanced Buy-in and Communication. So some of you may remember him from October of last year. Scott did uh, a webinar, and you can find that in the webinar library. And we're really happy to have Scott back with us today. He is the executive director of an organization called IQC based in Iowa. He's worked with and consulted in manufacturing, technology, education, and healthcare industries for over 30 years. In his career, he's held roles such as QA manager, CI manager, organizational development, human resources, senior VP of quality and improvement, and chief improvement officer. Scott is a lifelong learner. He's a professor, speaker, author of multiple books, articles, and journal publications. He is a master black belt, and he's the creator of what he calls uh, the Demaic Way. And his goal, as you see over his shoulder there, uh, is to help everybody make it better, make it stick. And I think today's session is really going to be important for both of those goals. So with Scott, welcome. Thanks for doing the session, and I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Appreciate being here and getting the opportunity to, to chat with folks. And just I'm just going to keep uh, this screen up just for a moment. As we walk through our session today, um, you should have a PDF document that walks through uh, an assessment that you did. If you didn't have an opportunity to take that assessment with your phone, you can take a picture of that QR code. It will take you to it. Or if you type in that URL into any browser, it will take you to that assessment. And it should take you only about three minutes. Um, and uh, you'll get emailed a PDF. Now, as you're, and so as we kind of get into the content, you'll have a chance to do that. If you've already taken, you already have it, you'll want to have that up in front of you either. Um, on another screen or uh, physical hard copy or looking at it on your phone or some other some other device. And that will be really a foundational thing that uh, we use throughout our session today. Now, I will tell you if your IT systems is set to, we don't trust anything ever, 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 um, and you happen to not get the assessment, uh, definitely check your spam or your junk folder and if truly you don't get it, it'll be okay. We'll be able to talk through. You'll be able to follow along fine. And if you really don't get it, my email and contact information will be at the end. You can email me and I can send it to you directly. So in the off chance that something doesn't quite work out, you'll be fine. You'll be able to follow along. It's, it's engaging enough that you'll be able to kind of make some educated guesses to kind of where you are based on your report. And then I can get you the details later. Okay. So, a couple things as we start off when we think about self awareness. Tasha did a study uh, with using about 5,000 participants, and she has a great TEDx talk about this concept of, of self awareness. And what's really interesting is when she worked with these participants, she found that 95% of people said, hey, I'm pretty self-aware, but actually only about 10 to 15% were. And we're gonna talk about this concept of self-awareness and the power, not only do you understand yourself, 
do you also understand how what you do impacts others? And it's the balance of those two things that is really self-awareness. So for a moment, and thank you, Mark. Mark threw in the chat, the TED Talk. For a moment, if you would look at this list of words, and if you want to in the chat, what I want you to do is read through those that list of words, and I want you to find the word that when you read that, you're like, oh yeah, that's me. And if you just want to type the number in the chat, what word best describes you? So I'll just pause a moment while you're kind of looking at what word that is. And if you want to be really bold and daring, you can throw that in there. So I see uh, independent, number four. I see an eight, decisive, efficient, number one, supportive, 12. Okay. And so I really want you to, once you have that number, and if you're someone who's like, I can't decide uh, one number, pick two, it's fine. It's okay. Um, they, they are free today. <laughs> uh, what I want you to do is pay attention to um, the number. All right. I want you to pay attention to the number and I want you to find your number on the second slide. Okay. So some of you said, oh, you are number one, you are efficient, but some may see you as harsh. I pick number five. I see myself as persuasive some people see me as manipulating. And what happens is we see, right? We intend to be this list, this first list. We intend to be this way. We intend to be positive. We intend to be uh, persistent or um, decisive or determined or whatever that is. And sometimes we rub that we rub off this way on others. And it typically is not in a positive way. And this is one of the foundations of self-awareness is I have to understand, yes, I want to be persuasive, but in some cases I may come off as manipulating. And when I come off that way, that is not positive. And people are reading that in a not a way I intend. And that's where we may have friction. And what happens when we look at the science and the research around this is we see people's behaviors. They act a certain way. And what happens is we guess at what drives them or what needs they're fulfilling by acting that way. And we're purely guessing and we're speculating and we're speculating based on our experiences based on our background, based on how well we know them or don't know them, all of those things. And what we're really doing with this assessment is we are measuring drives. And when we measure drives, those drives create a need and the behavior is the response to that need. And what we find out with the science and the data, and I want you to think about this as this is people data. So some of you are like, I love data and I love facts and numbers. The science and the data behind this is so fascinating and is so powerful that when we measure those drives, we can actually predict needs and behaviors of ourselves and others. And when I understand that and understand that deeper, I can do really positive things. And we're going to talk about this idea of self-awareness and how can I communicate better? How can I get better buy-in by understanding this data better? Okay. So if you have your uh, report in front of you, what I want you to look at is on that report, there will be three charts. Okay. Three charts. We are going to talk about the top chart and it should be labeled on a really good day. It's labeled self. Okay, so that is the chart we're going to focus on. And there are four factors or four drives that I want us to pay attention to, and they are labeled A, B, C, and D. Drive A, A is your drive for dominance. And think about A as how you generate and value ideas. B is your drive for extroversion. Extroversion is how you best communicate. C is your drive for patience. It's the work environment you prefer. 
and D is your drive for formality, and it's your basis for judgment, especially around the rules. Now, what I want you to know is we're gonna we're gonna go deeper into each of these. I just want you to kind of start to frame your head around this. And ideally, your uh, your report looks something like this. Pattern probably may look a little different. And those three patterns, again, we're gonna focus on this top self pattern. But what I want you to pay attention to is that top pattern, that is your DNA, the science uh, says at right around age 20 or 21, that gets pretty locked in. Doesn't change much. You might, you know, like your like our bodies as we get older, we might get a little wider. Our patterns might get a little wider, but the general shape doesn't. Self-concept is who you think you need to be. That's really based on whatever is going on in your life the last 90 to 120 days. That one can change. And then the synthesis is the mathematical combination of the two. And it's really what is observable or how people would describe you or experience you. So if you think about it, this is how people would describe you. This is how you think you need to be in your head. And this is who you actually are if you were just like, ta-da, here I am. <laughs> and those three patterns for you might be exactly the same. They might be different. Okay, and we will talk about that. Okay, so what I want you to pay attention is to that self chart, that top chart. That's how we're going to refer to it the entire time. So as we dive in, we're really going to understand the science behind this and how that those drives can allow us to predict behavior. And we'll talk about then how we take action, how we get buy-in, how we communicate. So I'm going to talk uh, broadly all right, I'm going to get really broad, and uh, I want you to remember that this is a continuum, and I'll explain what that means here in just a second. So when you look at your A, and remember A is your drive for dominance, how you generate value ideas, there is a continuum here, okay? And if you look down at the bottom of your chart, there is that little triangle. Think of that as a point of reference. That triangle, if you are to the right of that triangle, you are considered high in that trait. If you are to the left of that triangle, you are considered low in that trait. Couple things that are important. Um, whether you're high or low, doesn't matter. It's not good or bad, it just is. And the further away from that center, the more that trait or that drive is going to be noticeable. So the further to the right or the further to, I, to the left you go, um, how I like to describe it as this drive is like, if I'm really close to the center, it's like someone's whispering in my ear. And if I get a little further out, it's someone's talking. And if I'm way out here, someone's yelling at you. <laughs> and it's kind of that inner voice saying, this is what you're thinking, how you're feeling. And so think of it as whisper, <laughs> talking, yelling is, is how intense this may feel to you, okay? So as you look at that self pattern, and if you are a high A, so if you're high in that trait, your A on that self pattern is to the right. You're generally going to like your ideas best. You're gonna have a strong desire to wanna put your fingerprint on things and conflict is kind of okay. Okay. Now, if you're to the left, okay, you're low A, in general, you're going to be a collaborator. You want the best idea and conflict is stressful. And again, remember, there's a continuum here. If I'm way, way, way out on the edge, oh my gosh, I may totally avoid conflict. If I'm way, way, way out on the edge, I may be like, okay, let's go. I'll have an argument right now. No problem. Okay and everything in between. One is not better than the other. It just is, okay? And there are strengths and blind spots with that. High A's, they wanna be in charge. Challenge, two primary challenges with high A's is if there's a problem or a challenge, high A's like to say, oh, I got this and I am gonna go into my office <laughs> and take care of it. <laughs> 
low A's are like, no, we, who do we need to get around the table to figure this out together? Okay, so there's strengths and blind spots with each of these. And the more we understand that, the stronger we can be as a team member, as an individual. So let's shift to B. B is the drive for extroversion. And it's how you best communicate. So if you are a low B, think about your B is on your self chart is to the left of that triangle. So to the left of that triangle, you are pretty analytical. You want to process internally. You want time to think. Okay, so you really want to uh, communicate in your head. If you are a high B, high Bs, they want to process out loud. They want FaceTime with people, love to brainstorm. And some of you, if you are low Bs, you're like, oh yeah, man, those people stress me out. Sometimes I see them walking down the hall and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to go on forever and ever and ever. They're going to talk about their dog and their cat and their sister and their mom and what they did last weekend. And they might even want to give me a hug. And maybe if I duck in the conference room, they won't see me. And there's something important as we think about each of these traits. And just in the chat, or if you would, just I want you to think about it. Do you believe you are a different person at work than at home? So if you want to throw that in the chat, it's a really unofficial poll here. <laughs> Super scientific. Okay. So I see some no's. Uh, okay, I see some people say, nope, I'm the same. Oh, definitely, I'm different. Okay, so we see absolutely different. And what's interesting is, for a moment, if you're a low B, I want you to, I just want you to think about this for a moment. If you're a low B, let's, let's pretend this COVID thing doesn't exist. And we can go to conferences and like see people face to face and actually see their face. I, I remember those days. Um, and low B, I want you to go with me. We're going, okay, next week we're going. And each of you, I want you to meet a hundred people. I want you to get a hundred business cards um, every day for three days. Would you like to go? And in my experience, low Bs will say, um, why, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Someone actually put in the chat, why are you torturing me? <laughs> Okay. Now, low Bs, if I told you I will pay you $10,000 a day to go with me, would you do it? And in my experience, people say, yep, absolutely. Okay. And I'm actually, <laughs> that's exactly what, okay. And so what the research and the science says is we're actually the same person. We just flex. And we flex based on our experiences, what we need to do. So I even saw someone put in the chat, oh, I have to be more sociable because my job requires it. So we flex when we need to based on maturity, based on experience, based on whatever is going on. The challenge is if we have to flex too much, we are exhausted and it wears us out. And what is key with self-awareness is saying, where do I need to flex to add more value to the team or to me or to the organization? And when people flex because they want to, it's easier than if they flex because they have to. But the research says we're the same person. We just may choose to behave differently because of our situation. Okay, so that's B and, and that drive for extroversion. When we go to C, C is the work environment you prefer. If you are a high C, your C is to the right. Uh, you're an individual who stays on task, super nice people. Oh my gosh, you're so patient. Um, you generally are going to finish one thing and then move to another, finish that, move to another. You're the marathon runner. High Cs make an organization scalable. Think about high C's as they are going to operationalize 
the work, process, consistency. And for all the CI people out there, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I want all kinds of them. All right. Now, low-sea. Low-seas are the makers of change. If a low-sea has to have 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 things going on at a time, and if they don't, two problems. They are bored, bored out of their mind, and they don't feel like they're adding value. The challenge is they're great sprinters. Typically, low-seas are pretty poor at implementing and finishing something. So they get to a point, they're like, okay, that's about 85%. <gasps> Squirrel, look at that shiny new thing over there. I'm going to go do that. And it drives the high seas crazy because it's like, could you just stay on task, please, once in your life, ever? Okay. And when you think about this in an organization, we need both. If I only have high seas, oh, wow, we'll be awesome. We'll have process. We'll have consistency. But we probably won't have innovation. It, will, it probably isn't going to push us to the next level. Now, again, remember, we're on a continuum. Any of these drives, A, B, C, or D, we could have a situation where yours lands exactly on the line, right on center. Now, what the research says is you're going to have more of, you're going to have a higher tendency to be in this considered high. The difference is the you're going to be situational. It is going to be easier for you to flex left or right. So the closer you are to the center, the easier it is for you to flex left or right. The further you are away, the harder it is and the more energy and effort it takes to flex to the other side. Okay, so great question about the if you're right on right on center. Okay, so C is that drive for patience, and it's really about the work environment and the pace that you prefer. <laughs> the blind spot for C. So we talked about low Cs, and their blind spot is, yeah, they get about 85%. They're really not good at finishing. <sighs> blind spot for high Cs, super nice people, lovely individuals, until that straw that breaks the camel's back. There is a point where a high C, they're like, yep, okay, yep, okay, yep, okay. And then they're like, okay, one more thing. I'm going to hit you with my keyboard. And then it's really, we have to look out, okay? They, there's a breaking point for that, for that high C. When we look at Ds, Ds is the, D is the drive for formality. It's really your basement, basis for judgment and especially around the rules. So if you are a high D, High D wants equal enforcement and equal punishment of the rules. You want details. You want specific feedback. The world is generally pretty black and white to a high D. Okay. The first thing that you notice is when you see someone glide through a stop sign. Where's the police? They need a ticket. If you are a low D, if you are a low D, you want high level. You do not want details. You want executive summary. Rules are a guide, a recommendation, a general suggestion. Um, the world is pretty gray for you. Okay. Again, extremes. We can go way down to the low. Rules don't exist. Uh, and of course, you know, sometimes people say, well, does that, if I'm a really low D, does that mean I'm a serial killer? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, you might be, but probably not. And a high D, okay, again, rules, rules, rules. And anything in between. Now, what's important as we look at each of those traits, you have some pattern name at the top. It might be specialist, craftsman, captain, maverick, promoter, venture. There are 17 different ones. Some are social profiles. Think of social profiles. They're likely going to have a higher B. Okay. There are analytical profiles. Analytical profiles are the individuals who, right, I want time to think. I want some detail. Um, 
there are uh, persistent profiles. I mean, they're going to chunk it out. And then there are um, profiles that bridge the gap. Okay, and there are a couple of profiles that, hey, they can flex either way pretty easily and they can bridge the gap across these. So important to remember, no one profile is better than another. Just because you're one profile, a captain, doesn't mean you're the best. Just means you're a captain and you have a high A and a high B and a low C and a D that cuts back, but actually doesn't go over the midline. That's all that means. And you have some natural drives that are whispering you or talking to you or yelling at you. Okay. Now the power of this. Okay. And if you want to throw in the chat, I know we talked at a really high level about this. And if you want to throw in the chat, you know, scale of one to 10, how accurate, if you had a chance to read your report, how accurate was that? Okay, so I see some eights, nines, tens, beautiful, awesome. Okay, that makes me feel good. So what is so powerful about this, now it's, okay, hey, we're eights, nines, and tens, maybe a couple sevens, cool. Now let's look at a couple places where we can leverage this to understand and build uh our ability to flex where we need to flex and gain an enhanced communication, better buy-in. So as an example, if we look at, if I hit the right button, we can actually look at it. If we look at communication, four quadrants of communication, and I will talk about what they mean here in a moment. And what I want you to do is find where do you fall? So just as a couple examples, low C, high C, and then is, is your B higher than A or to the right of A, or is, is your A to the right of B? So as an example, here's one pattern. Notice that their C is high, okay? So it's to the right of that triangle, and their A is a little bit higher than their B they're gonna fall in the respecting quadrant, okay? And another example is, oh, this one, this one, this pattern has a low C and their A is over B, they're gonna fall in the telling quadrant, okay? So what I would like you to do is look at your pattern and see where do you fall and why you're doing that, we can look at here are the definitions of each of those, okay? One thing to note is as you look at, oops, as you look at this, you can also fall in a different right or left or further. So as an example, I am a low C, but my A and B are pretty close to being equal. So I'm actually going to fall right about on this line, okay? Now others may say, you know what? I am a really high C and my B is way over my A. Well, then you're going to fall more here, just as an example, okay? And when you look at this, couple things that I want you to pay attention to as you're finding your quadrant. The closer to the line, the easier it is to flex left and right or up and down. What the research says is going left or right or up and down is pretty easy or natural. If I have to flex diagonal, that is super stressful. So think about someone who has a has a B over A, probably a high B, and a high C, super patient, super people focused. Having them go to someone and say, you have to do it this way, no way. That is not a natural state for them. 
that is to have to go tell someone that's going to be like super stressful. And for some of you who are low C and you're a right, you're going to say, well, why wouldn't we just tell them I'm the boss? Why wouldn't I just say it? Just do what I say. I don't know what the problem is. And so what, what is so powerful about this is first, if I know where I am, okay? So I'm in between persuading and telling. I can flex to connecting. I can flex to respecting, but it takes, power, it takes effort and energy. But if I know I have to connect with people, which means I have to think about their feelings, I have to think about what's the impact to them. I have to think of, I mean, right, all those things that are, you know, we might put in the, the EQ bucket. If I know that going in, I can mentally prepare myself to say, here's how I can communicate more effectively. The other power that we can do is if we have a team of people and let's just say I have, you know, a group of people that are this, right? This is our team. Awesome. So if that's my team, my team of six, whether it's a project team or whether, hey, this is our team, right? And it's a formal um reporting structure team in an organization, I can now see what is my team's blind spot. I have no one in this respecting, which means this is a natural problem or blind spot for us. Now, this person here could flex and I may need to ask them to say, I need you to play a role. And your role is to help us be respectful of each other, to help us make sure everyone is heard. I need you to, to do that for us because that will make us stronger as a team. Naturally, we would not do that. And so you can map your team to say, how best can we communicate? And if we're talking about engagement and, and team, you know, teams being engaged either in the team or with each other or in an organization, the more if I'm a leader, if I'm the leader of a team, again, whether that's a project team, a CI team, organizational team, if I can flex to the other person, to their natural style, I will boost their engagement and I will boost their understanding and their clarity and I will boost the, our ability as a team to do great things. If we are peers, it is best practice for us to flex to meet in the middle because if I'm always flexing to someone else and they're my peer, eventually I'm going to become resentful. Eventually I'm going to become frustrated. And so if I know I have to go talk to a connecting person, I want to talk to them about the impact to people. How do they feel? If I'm a persuader and I need to go talk to a teller, I'm going to bottom line it. Here's the bullet points. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Because if I go to them and talk about, oh, this is how people feel, the teller is going to say, I don't care. <laughs> Just tell me what to do. Okay. So our natural style is also the style we prefer to receive. Okay. So that's communication. And the more I can flex to communicate um, to that other person, the better. Second challenge is if I have to go communicate to a group, I need to somehow hit all the buckets 
that that group is. And that if my communication and I have people, and again, it's probably really unfair to say, oh, all, all HR people are in connecting. Oh, that's, I don't know that that's always going to be true. But maybe I have a whole bunch of people who are connecting people. Then, yeah, I'm going to talk more about how this change or this is going to impact people in a positive way. And I'm going to change and adapt my messaging based on what quadrant they fall in. All right, so let's talk about taking action. So taking action looks at a couple different drives. Um, looks at the, the, your D level, so your, your formality level, and the relationship between A and C. So using a couple examples, okay, this, again, this pattern, high D, so D is to the right, and their A is over C just slightly, they are going to be an implementer. Or in this case, low D, their A is higher than C, they are going to be an innovator. Okay, so just for again, for a moment, if you'd look at your, uh, your self pattern, that top pattern in your report and kind of see where do you fall? And again, when you look at here again, how people take action, we have the same, same thing. So I told you before I was on the line, what I'll tell you is I have a very low D and my A is much higher than C. I'm on the edge here. So my natural state is to say, why do we do it that way? Doing it the same way is silly. We should do it so, some way different. And I will tell you, that drives implementers crazy. It's like, you're going to change something again? <laughs> and, and so as you look at this, again, I could map the team out. And I find this taking action piece really crucial. Again, gosh, we don't have anyone in commanding, which means we as a team have a blind spot to say, when we need to make a decision or go a certain way, who is going to stand there and say, here's the way we need to do it? Who's going to make that decision? Because the coordinators are going to say, well, yeah, we, we don't all agree. So until we all agree, we shouldn't move. And the, and the innovators are going to say, well, let's, let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. And the implementers are going to be saying, well, no, if we do it that way, we have to do this, 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 and this. And if we do it that way, we have to do that, 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 that. And we may never get anything done. So I may have to say, ah, uh, you know, hi, Sally. Sally, I need you to play this role. The other way I find this really, really helpful Okay, and so I, I, I recognize some names on the list. So some of you will may chuckle about this or know this about me. Like if I'm working on a team, I may ask certain people to come into a team at different times. When it's time to think of ideas, I want, I want this. And then when it's time to do, right, to go implement it, you need to tell them to go away. <laughs> yes, we have, right? Because innovators, you're going to say, hey, can you give me 10 ideas? They're going to come back with a thousand. And that's lovely, wonderful. We want that. And at some point we have to then say, turn off the idea spigot because we actually need to go do something. And many times what teams do around strategy or around CI or many other things is to say, oh yeah, like I will tell you, hey, proofread this, that is the last thing you want me to do. Looking at details, uh-uh. It's the last thing you want an innovator to do. That's, that is a great role for an implementer. They're strong there. It's going to be a natural place for them. Oh, we need to get people on board and we need to get us all to work together. Uh, sounds like a great coordinator. 
spot. And so I may look and say, where do I tell this person to, to step in? Hey, I need you as a coordinator to step into the space and help us move through this as a team. Oh, we need to generate a bunch of ideas. I need to think, I need to leverage my innovators to think of ideas. And then innovators have to be able to turn it off and say, okay, cool. Now let's talk to the implementers to say, what's good about this? What's bad about this? How do we operationalize it? Because if we leave it to innovators, we're going to say, let's do it another time. Let's do another iteration and another iteration. And yes, we can sit and debate, well, isn't that continuous improvement? Yes. Uh, and um, that is how scope creep happens. That is how projects never finish. That is all of these things that sometimes plague us as organizations to say, well, this is why CI doesn't work. Because it's like, no, let's implement and put this in place so we get the win. I sometimes tease finance people, right, that they'll step over a $100 bill to pick up a quarter. And it's like, no, if, if I can get the $100 bill today, let's do that. And maybe I can get another thousand another time. And so it's really important to then leverage, and I think of it as levers. What lever do I need to pull today to move the team forward? Oh, I need a commanding lever. Who's my commanding people? Or who's my commanding person that I need to say, I need you to drive us to a decision? Or gosh, we're really, <laughs> we're, we're not even close to being on the same page. I need a coordinating person. To, to step in and kind of lead that lead that conversation or lead us through that. And so with this people data, we can then really start to understand how to leverage those strengths. So if we just kind of step back for a moment and think about, you know, with each of these, there are innate strengths. Okay, so we talked about innovators. Yeah, they're going to come up with a lot of ideas, but implementers are going to actually make it a reality. And I can't, having one versus the other isn't good or bad or good or bad. It's, oh, here are those strengths. And I want to know that about myself, but I also want to know how does that add value to the team? How does that add value to the organization? And if I lean on my strengths too much, okay? I told you all I'm a low C. One of the strengths of a low C is we move quickly. Uh, we like to have a lot of things going on at once, okay? That's a strength. It's also a blind spot to say, do I have too much going on at once? And I need to be discerning enough to say, uh, that's too much. Otherwise, I'm leaning too much on my strengths and I'm not adding as much value as I could to the team or the organization. Or I'm rubbing people the wrong way, which is reducing my ability to have a strong uh, net forward relationship with that individual or with that team or with a leader or with an organization, whatever that is. And so there are pieces that I, you need to spend time to understand what are those strengths. And then you need to be really honest with yourselves about the blind spots. And to say, you know what? This is a blind spot for me. And to be willing to say, uh, yeah, uh, I'm stepping into that space and that's not good. And that's really going to hurt me to get buy-in or really going to hurt me to communicate effectively either up right up to leaders or crossways to, to my peers or to the team. And so I have to think about, you know, what are my natural tendencies and where do I need to flex? So we move in a forward uh, direction. Okay. And what I want to leave you with, and I know we're going to have some time for questions here in, in just a moment. Um, when you think about this idea of self-awareness and how we're going to communicate and how we're going to leverage our strengths and really understand our blind spots, self-awareness is really about, I have to know myself 
and I have to look at how do I impact others. And if I am not impacting others in a positive way, then I am really not self-aware. And sometimes people will say, well, does that mean I can't be myself? I'm not saying, oh, don't be yourself and, and have to flex in such a way that it's awkward and uncomfortable and yucky. What I am saying is, if being yourself reduces your ability to be successful, reduces the team's ability to be successful, or, or reduces the organization's ability to be successful, then yeah, you need, you need to shift because it is the right thing to do. All right, so I'm gonna leave you there, let you digest for a moment. I know Mark has a couple of announcements and then we have some, some Q&A. Am I, am yes. I remembering that right, Mark? That is correct. Um, thinking back to the slide you showed with the blind spots, I'll give credit at least uh, they were wearing the mask over their nose and mouth. Yes, oh yes, absolutely. And their eyes. <laughs> Good, uh, anyway. Uh, so a couple of quick announcements. Our next webinar session is actually going to be next Thursday, the 25th, uh, is going to be number three in a series that we started back in August with our friend DeAndre Wardell. Um, it's going to be another panel discussion in the Root Cause Racism series called The Colors of Love. That's available to everybody on February 25th, one o'clock Eastern, talking about lean concepts, including respect for people and what that means in this setting. In March, we're going to have one, if not two, more traditional presentation style webinars. Um, we've got one, I can't say who it is yet because it's not confirmed, but a customer talking about their continuous improvement program. And then DeAndre is going to do uh, a presentation webinar, um, I believe on Toyota Kata and related topics. So you can register for those and sign up to learn about more webinars at kinexus.com slash webinars. Next, we wanna tell you about the webinar library, if you missed uh, Scott's session from October, it is there in the on-demand library. You can find a link to it at kinexus.com slash webinars. You can also find it on our YouTube channel. And we encourage you to check out our blog. It's blog.kinexus.com. We also have a podcast series. The audio of today's session, if you wanna re-listen, or share with others. It will be available later today in the podcast feed. You can find it at kinexus.com slash podcasts or basically anywhere you find and listen to podcasts. And then we have one other special announcement, a new initiative that we have been ramping up the last couple of weeks for our healthcare customers who are in the audience, for people who are doing process improvement work related to COVID vaccinations, whether you are a Kinexus customer or not, we have a free platform that we've stood up in partnership with um, the firm Value Capture. Um, again, it's open to people in healthcare who are doing this work. We call it Vaccinexus. Um, it's a place where you can share process improvement examples. You can read and learn from other organizations. We've actually added some question asking functionality. If you've got a question about improving your vaccination process instead of uh, a specific example to share. You can apply to get a free account um, at kinexus.com slash vaccine. All right, so with that, let's go to Q&A. Yeah. Um, so I'll add before asking the question, I, I think it's, I appreciate how you frame Scott, these, these dimensions are not good or bad. Yeah. But that said, like there's a question here about what, what do you think about cultural fit and these dimensions. Mm. Uh, should we, yeah. what happens when organizations are looking to hire people who are similar, people who can fit in versus people who have different styles and, yeah. and different profiles yeah. and preferences? Yeah, and so as you, as you think about that, that, I think there's like three questions in there, Mark. <laughs> yeah, so I was trying <laughs> so to kind of try I, to- I think when, when we look at this, this, this is a behavioral assessment. So it's really looking at kind of, I, I like to describe it as head, heart, briefcase. So when we're looking at this, this is the head aspect of the person. So what, what are their natural drives, right? And then again, is it a whisper? Is it a talk? Is it a yell? Versus the cultural, which is the heart. 
And so I may say, I want this kind of, of profile for this kind of role. I still need to validate that that culturally is going to be a fit. Mm. And if you really look at whether you're talking engagement or discretionary effort, think of a discretionary effort is the, uh, an individual's decision to say, I am willing to do more than the I have to. Okay, that is really engagement is when someone's willing to give that discretionary effort. That doesn't mean I'm going to work 100 hours a week. That just means, hey, I have to get these things done, but I'm willing to do more for the organization because, and it's really four things. Do I fit culturally? Do I fit in the team? Do I have a positive relationship with my boss? And does my job fit my natural style? And so being really purposeful in the design of what you're trying to accomplish with that role and that organization is important. And the briefcase is really stuff you can check easy. Do they have the skills, the education, the background, the certifications, any of that kind of stuff is, is the briefcase. And actually when you pair these together, if you do briefcase only, the research says that is about a 10% predictor of fit and success in the role. Mm -hmm. If you, if you blend briefcase, heart, behavioral, and cognitive, and think cognitive is, um, it is not an IQ test, okay? IQ is how big the sponge is. Mm -hmm. Cognitive is how fast the sponge will suck up, mm -hmm. okay? So think of it as like learning speed, how quickly they will learn. Um, if you blend those together, it is 85% predictor of success and fit in the role when you blend those together. So mm -hmm. I think I answered all those questions in that. Yeah, that's right. In that. it but it really is, you have to be purposeful yeah. in what are we trying to accomplish, whether it's the team or a role or a promotion or whatever that is. Okay. Um, um, here, oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going right to the Q and A's. Oh, okay. So I was going to throw in next a question from, um, Kelly, it's maybe a little more specific than yep. sort of kind of a broad question. Do you see certain types mm -hmm. in director level roles and above and other types in middle management? Are there any patterns? Yeah, no, it's, Kelly, it's a, it's a great question. So if we think about, uh, oh, this is really bad, but I'm going to say, if we think about a stereotype, a stereotype would be, oh, hey, someone with a high A is probably going to naturally gravitate to a leadership role. In an executive role, we see typically really high A's really and pretty high B's, low C's, low D's. Typical pattern. Middle management, we do see a little bit of a sometimes a shift in there. What is so important, what is so important is that doesn't mean someone can't be that if they don't have that pattern. It's really about saying, oh, if you are an executive, you're going to have to make really hard decisions. You're going to have to say no to good ideas. And you have, you know, your A is a little bit low. Help me understand how you are going to flex to be that spot. Or, again, depending on the organization, I may need a leader who's really really strong in compliance and rules focused. Well, that tells me, you know what? I probably need a higher C and a higher D because if I ask someone who has a really low C and a really low D to be compliance and regulatory focused and those details, it's not that they can't be good at it. It's, it is going to challenge them and is going to exhaust them to do that all the time. So great question, Kelly. Love that question. All right. Thanks, Scott. Um, let's see. Done. Uh, what is the best way to perform effective change management when you don't have support from your leadership? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome question. Um, you know, if we look at the, at the profiles um, and you think about change management, there's a number of change management models. And I have to look at it, you know, why are we changing and what, 
why do we want people to change? I always think about it as I have to look and I need to get their agreement on if there's a problem. And if we don't agree that there is a problem, change management isn't going to help us. Now I can leverage and understand if I know their style, if I know kind of what their pattern is, how to communicate to them to understand either their pain point or why they do or why they don't want to change. So again, if you look at and just say, hey, I'm talking to a leader who is a high C and a high D. It's not that they're against change. You have to have a really good reason to say we are going to change a proven process that works or a proven process that they think works. And so it really is blending how you communicate, understanding the pain point and the pain point from their perspective, not your perspective, their perspective. And if what, if you can't agree on the problem and we can't agree that we want to do something about the problem, I really can't do effective change. Um, but I have a couple change management models. Um, Mark, if I, if I uh, send them to you, can you post them? I can post it on the, uh, just in the I can post it on the, the archive page. In the archive or, page, or yeah. And yeah. so that just people can take a look at that. And and there's one I'm thinking specifically that is kind of a, a combination of four elements. And if one of the elements is missing, you can see the symptom that it causes is the one um, I'm thinking. So I, I don't, hope, hopefully I answered or gave some direction there. That's right. I mean, there, there are all these different models. I think of the quote, I think this is George, this is George Fox. It's attributed to a lot of people, something effective. All models are wrong, but some models are useful. Yes, but yeah. Personally, absolutely. I yeah. found this in you know, this predictive index to be not all that wrong. And I think it really is useful. Like I would be yeah. curious what would happen if um, the Connexus team, if they haven't already, all went and did this and compared mm, Sure with yeah, each absolutely. other or even within yeah. one of the teams like the customer experience team or development. Yeah. Well, and, and Mark, it's, you know, there, there's a piece around individual and then there's also a, we can look at a team type. Mm -hmm. So you can say, Oh, you are a captain or a specialist or whatever your pattern is, but there's also team type patterns based on the makeup of that team. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we have time for one more question from sure. Lauren. Um, when we're assessing our communication style, mm -hmm. or generally if we're high or low, should we be looking at the self score, the self concept, uh, self concept score, or the synthesis score, or yeah. all of them? You, yep. you kind of touched on this, but it, it was a question from earlier. If you can, yeah, you know, no, absolutely. Yeah. So as we're looking at these, we all we really want to look at the self. So that top, the top one. That is your DNA. That is who you are. Now, the self-concept and the synthesis can be helpful for other conversations, um, whether it's a coaching conversation, whether it's a leadership conversation, an interview, um, because if they are drastically different, and if, if I'm allowed, um, I'm just going to go back to that mm -hmm. example we had. So if I'm looking at this example, this is who that person is. If it crosses the midline, when you look at self and self-concept, that is statistically significant. So if we look at this, this person is flexing. They're A, higher. They're B, lower. They're C, way lower. I want to understand what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. Something is telling them, be more in charge. Talk less. Be more driven right? Move quicker. And usually when you, when you say that someone is going to say, Oh yeah, I just had my performance review and my boss said, or I think, you know, I got a new boss and, or I just took a new job and that's, what's driving me to, to think I need to do these things. Great question. Well, very good. Well, that brings us to the top of the hour. I mean, this is all a very rich, topic. Um, there's opportunity for people to go back and take a deeper dive into their assessment report if they just did that or if they haven't done it yet. 
there's an opportunity to go and do that. That's going to be open and available. And if you are watching this as a recording, that, um, that link will still be live. If you um, didn't get a chance to check that out, go ahead and do that. Um, so I really want to thank everybody for attending. Um, had a good turnout today. Um, I think Texas folks who have been battling uh, power and internet problems will be able to check out the recording when things get a little bit recovered. But um, anyway, Scott uh, Birdmeyer has been our presenter. Scott, thanks a lot for doing um, the second webinar. And yeah. uh, maybe we'll get to hear more from you in the future. No, that sounds great. And I, and I will, while we're wrapping up, I will just offer if if people didn't get their report or they want there's a couple other reports that, that talks about uh, your blind spots and gives you some guidance. If you want that, just send me a note and I'll happily push that out to you. Okay, thanks. And Scott's email address is on screen there. And the website is www.iowaqc.org. So thanks. Uh, thanks again, Scott. And uh, yeah, no have uh, a great day. Yeah.